Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. I'm your host, Chris Swain, here with Robbie Gallaty, the pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church, founder and president of Replicate Ministries. Today on the podcast, we are talking about something that I am very excited about. It's very similar to all of the superhero movies that we all watch. All the Marvel movies, really. I don't know about the others. Maybe they're good, too. But one of the things that I love about the Marvel movies is they put together a team, an awesome team. And here's how it happens. They get together. They fight each other first. Then they realize that they have a unique foe that's someone else. Then they band together and they go take that foe out. It's not unlike building a church staff. Very similar. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, it's nothing like building a church staff. Well, in a sense, you're fighting on the same team. That's exactly right. But the topic is, uh, to say all that, to say something much more important, how do you build a compelling staff? How do you build how do you build a team that you want to do ministry with and do it effectively? An all-star team. An all-star team. That's going to serve with you for many years to come. Yeah. You you want to stay together and see things happen and see things accomplished together. And versus, I mean, maybe you've served on a staff like this. I know I've I've been on a couple staff where there have been individuals or even myself have I've thought, do I fit on this team? Is this the right place for me? Is God really going to be able to use me here? Maybe you have differed with the leadership a little bit and you've thought to yourself, you know, maybe we need to do a little less of it this way or do it more that way, whatever. And maybe you've been challenged by whether or not you can follow a leader. Or maybe you've been that leader and thought, man, I need a whole new team. <laughs> <laughs> which happens. And which can happen which from can time happen. to time. Uh, but, but we think there's some, some components to putting together the team that you want to work with. What are some of those things? Well, I would say, okay. So I think uh, I think you're right. Not only do the Avengers have a pretty amazing team, not only do the Fantastic Four. Which, by the way, Captain America is my favorite. Long before the Avengers movies, too. So that, that's, I just want to make sure everyone knows. I'm not I would say before we get into our, 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 our episode, we have put together some compelling microphones. We have brand new mics today. Well, that's true. I don't know if anybody Perhaps noticed it. Perhaps you're listening to the quality and you're thinking, man, they sound a little bit better. Or I can hear how bad they sound a little bit better because right. of the microphone. Well, and it only took us 50 episodes. to get 50 We had to make sure this thing was going to take off. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we didn't know it was going to work. You know? to know. Is anybody going to listen to this If somebody thing? listens, we'll get new microphones. Yeah. So, okay, let's talk about the team. Let's talk, let's talk okay, about the so team. Okay, here, so here's, here's the thing. Jesus had a team of guys, okay? So if the greatest leader on planet Earth uh, knew the value of investing in a team and uh, putting a team around him in order to do ministry together and take the gospel forward, then I think we should take a play. Probably do what he did. Yeah, let's take a play from the book of Jesus, okay? A couple of things I've done in, in, in ministry I've realized is this. If you want to put together a compelling team, then number one, and this seems kind of elementary, but the reality is you need to spend time with your team. We live in a day and age, sadly, where – the, the pastoral ministry has been turned into a business. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not saying that business ideas and, 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 and how do you lead teams and organizations and meetings, I'm not saying that doesn't translate on some level. But what I'm saying is, first, listen to me. If you're leading a church at any level, God has called you to be a shepherd, not a CEO. 
Okay. Here's the thing. Shepherds smell like sheep. Okay. I got a farm at the house. Uh, you probably know this. We've talked about this before. Uh, we started I've been to the farm. You've been to the farm. You've had some animals get out recently. As recently as yesterday. We did have animals get out. For the last two days, animals are loose. Those crafty little Wild and free. Goats. Yeah. It's not a good day when you're out away from home and your neighbor texts you and says, hey, I think two of your goats are running down the driveway onto the street. Down the street. Just to be clear, are you talking now about the church or are you talking about your actual farm? No, I'm talking about that's okay. what happens at our church. Because I was thinking maybe you got a call for that. These goats of the guys in your church your are getting trip. out. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of parallel. It can happen on both. Yeah, but here's what I say saying. about the farm. When I go down to the farm and I spend time with the animals, those animals have a distinctive smell. Okay, <laughs> to say the least, it's a distinctive smell. The farm has a distinctive smell. When I come back in the house, Candy knows right away that I've been at the farm. And she'll say, you smell like the animals. Now, that's true in the real world. But, Pastor, listen to me. You need to smell like your sheep. What do I mean? You need to spend time around your people. You need to be among your people. And not only your people, you need to be among your staff. Now, I did this at my first church when I had a smaller church, so it was a whole lot easier. I had a part-time secretary. Uh, I had a part-time assistant uh, pastor slash worship leader slash associate. Remember that? I did not have the I did not have the part time worship leader slash uh, student pastor, we, we which was a new position. Me. By the way, if you are a part time student pastor worship leader, we love you and hope you do well. We're just saying that's a tough yeah, one. That's a tough one. That's a lot of bases to cover. But here's the thing: in that first church, with uh, one part time person, one full time person, and myself, we started our first discipling investing group. Now I added a part-time student pastor about a year in, and it was literally just the four of us. Okay. And we spent time together and we, we dreamed together and we planned the future together. And here's the thing. Could I have done that without them? Yes. I mean, in fact, I was the only one with a seminary degree at that point. I was starting my doctoral work. And so I could have said, Oh, I don't need them. I, you know, I went, I got quote unquote, all the book smarts, but the reality is the, uh, the assistant or, or, or the secretary, she had a pulse on the church because she had been there way longer than I had. And uh, the, the, the worship leader slash associate pastor, he had a father who was in the ministry and he had a history of, uh, of church life. So he was a great insight or, or a great uh, part of the team as well. Then I went to Brainerd. Brainerd was a larger context. I put together, again, a weekly gathering with our staff. And here's what we did, Chris. I turned that three-hour, and I'm not making this up, the three-hour weekly business update agenda uh, run meeting. Uh, and I changed that to still t- keeping some of those items. Like, you still need to know numbers and how many people came and decisions and follow-up, and all those things are important. We didn't need three hours doing that. We didn't need three hours. Doing so here's what I did. I took that three-hour block, which was normally like a, a, a Tuesday morning from like 9 to noon, and I shifted it. I moved it to an hour and a half of discipleship on the front and an hour and a half of business on the back end. Now, my executive pastor at the time came to me, pulled me aside. And he said, ah, you're kind of new here, pastor. And, and I don't, I'm not going to tell you what to do because you're the pastor, which he right. was trying to tell me what to do. <laughs> but, he said, <laughs> but if I was you, you ever yeah. heard that before? But oh, if yeah. I was you. If it were up to me. If it were up to me, it but it's happen. not. But if it were, which he wants it to be, I would do this. I think we're going to lose some momentum. I think we're not going to be effective. They're going to be lazy. Yeah. We don't hold them accountable. They're going to be lazy. And I said, no, here's the reality. I think if I start investing in them personally 
and growing them deep in the Lord, deep in their walk with God, on fire for Jesus as a staff member, then that will have an overflow effect in their life, right? It's really counterintuitive to what you think because you think if you – if you stop talking about numbers and stop talking about door knocking and you stop talking about gospel sharing as much as you should, yeah. then you think, ah, oh, that's going to suffer. But I'm going to tell you something. It had the opposite effect. Then I came to Long Hollow. I put together a weekly meeting. And before I got here, we didn't have this. Uh, we had meetings, but we didn't have a gathering of all of them. I put together a weekly gathering of the, of the ministers and managers of our church that I wanted to invest in. Now, it took a while to kind of pare this down because we got a lot of different people on a lot of different levels. But the but the group now is down to about twenty six people. Is that large? Probably so. But the reality is, in the size church we're in, it's okay, and I think it works. But here's what I do with that meeting. I'm going to share with you. And if you just adopt this, I'm telling you right now, you're going to see life changing your staff. Because here here's how it works: the larger the organization gets, or the larger your church becomes, your job moves from where I was pastoring a small church of 65 people, making disciples in that context. I was the chief pastoral staff member. I made every counseling uh, appointment. I, I did every funeral. I, I performed every wedding. Uh, I changed the toilet paper in the toilet on Sunday morning. This is true, Dylan, between so services. It, you changed the toilet paper in the toilet? Well, not oh, okay. in the toilet. Well, the, there was sometimes the, more toilet paper in, in the, the toilet area. that was not supposed to be I just there. Want to clarify. But I'm telling you, you, you can't make this all. up. And pastors know what I'm talking about. People yeah. listen to what I'm talking That's about. That's right. You are walking to the church to preach your sermon that you've worked all week on. And one of those choice servants for whom Christ died. You know those people, right? Choice people. Yeah, choice Lord people. Pastor, I don't want to bother you with this, but uh, we're out of toilet paper in the second stall down the hall. <laughs> Can't wait to hear the word today. Yeah, I'm like, brother, so-and-so, I'm going to preach. Like, you can't hand- – but anyway. But in that environment, smaller context, you're the chief disciple maker. Okay, you're the chief person doing all the ministry. The, the larger the church gets, your role moves from investing solely in the people to investing in your staff and empowering your staff – to invest in people. Here, here's the thing, I, and, and, and this is an insight for, for how we see a church grow. And I'm not, you guys know from listening to this podcast, we, we rarely talk about numbers of numerical growth because we believe that if you grow people deep, numbers will, will come in place. But here's the thing. If, if you want to see your organization grow numerically beyond the place you're at now, one of the sticking points, you're going you're gonna to appreciate this, one of the, one of the clogs in the artery could be your leadership capacity. Or let me say it another way. It could be the fact that you are a micromanager and you need to know everything at every time in every situation by every pastoral minister you have on staff. So you can pastor a church like that. I, I know churches like this, where and I even came behind pastors like this, in a sense, where they had to know everything that was going on every time in every family. And here's what happened. They put a leadership lid on the organization, meaning they couldn't understand why the church couldn't grow beyond a certain level. And it's because their leadership capacity or their leadership uh, um, evaluation, investigation of it would not allow it. If you want to grow to the next level, 
uh, as far as me. So if you're at 200 and you're saying we can't get past 200, that's kind of a big right. barrier. If we're at 500 and we can't get past, if we, we can't get past 1,000 or 2,000, whatever, you talk about these leadership lids, it could be you're the problem. Now, first of all, you have to repent because you, step one is, and I have to do this all the time. I'm not saying you do something I, I don't do. The first thing is you have to repent for, feel like, for, for feeling like the church rises and falls upon your own leadership. Listen, the Lord was there before you got there, and frankly, the Lord's going to be there long after you and I are gone. Okay, so it's bigger than that. So the that's second step one. Thing, before the second thing, ooh. we need to take a brief break. We just launched something brand new called the Disciple Making Jumpstart. You can go to disciplemakingjumpstart.com. Tell us briefly how this will help people if they want to use it. Yeah, we realize a lot of people emailed us, uh, just like probably yourself. You're thinking, man, if I knew what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and the right time to do it in, in a sense, I wish you guys could come to my church and kind of help me walk through that, and we'd love to do that. Obviously, we can't because of time and constraints and travel and, and schedule, but the reality is now you can. And so what you're going to get is you're going to get five videos from me personally that are going to come in your inbox over the next 30 days. I'm going to send you, in addition to that, an email every single day with actionable steps to take in order to see a disciple-making movement happen in your church. And here's the caveat to it. It's going to start and finish in 30 days. Once the 30-day time period is up, all the videos are gone. You'll keep the emails. But the reason we're doing that is this. We want to motivate you to take the next step. We realize if it's 60 days or 90 days or indefinite, you'll wait to the end. So we want you to we want to encourage you. If you're interested in this, check you it can out. go online. DiscipleMakingJumpstart.com, the Healthy Church Challenge, a couple of training videos, more information on the website. Take an opportunity to go see it right now. Is marriage ministry stressing you out? Woo Marriage is here to help. This brand new tool from Lifeway provides a Christ-centered marriage coaching for every couple in your church. Backed by research and designed with your church in mind, Woo Marriage provides a plan for your marriage ministry, the video courses for all seasons of marriage. These are courses for communication, managing finances, handling conflict, and there's even help for church leaders. The best part? It's easy. With one simple click, you can assign courses and start coaching. Whether you need to prepare couples for marriage, strengthen marriages, or restore relationships, you'll have an affordable, flexible plan right at your fingertips. Try it free one month with our offer code of the word leadership, all one word, L-E-A-D-E-R-S-H-I-P, leadership, and check it out. That offer code is leadership, all one word, at checkout on woomarriage.com slash free trial. Once again, that's woomarriage.com slash free trial. And we're back. We're talking about building a compelling team. One of the things we want to make sure we do is, you mentioned this earlier, before we get to part two, step one was to repent. Step two, you're going to talk about in a moment. But one of the things I think about when I think about building a compelling team, churches seem to treat new staff members, I believe, a lot like coach coaches at football teams, SEC, NFL, whatever. Pick a major franchise. It's like we got to go find a guy who succeeded somewhere else at some capacity, some level, bring him in, add him to the team, and we're going to just – knock it out of the park because we got this new coach or this new leader in here. And the problem with that, there's so many problems with that, but one, one big problem with that can be the, the DNA, the culture that you're trying to create, especially if you're saying, okay, this person 
A, grew a ministry, or B, produced this result, or is a compelling leader, looks like a leader, talks like a leader, uh, we can see some results. All those things are good, you know, but a resume does not mean anything when it comes to your culture. They've got to be a fit, and I think that's crucial, and that, that's part of what you're talking about when you're saying we need to build a compelling team. It's, it's how do you fit these pieces together. Yeah. Number two is, uh, so number one is you repent for real for thinking and you have to do it yourself. Number two is you have to create an environment, a culture, whereby you are empowering, equipping, and raising up leaders, okay? And that only comes with spending time with them. After the first meeting here at Long Hollow, uh, we went out to lunch with uh, uh, our team, 26, I think, at the time. I happened to sit across from one of our student pastors at that time. And uh, I'll never forget, we were at this, uh, I think we were at the Mongolian Grill kind of place. It you was Mongolian this? Grill. I remember it well. You remember it. Okay, so there we were. First time ever the entire team like that is out together. Now, granted, we learned you, we couldn't do this often because twenty a reservation for 26. Restaurants do not like you. They don't like that at all. So <laughs> this lasted about a year, but we stopped. We stopped at the big group. But with the first time we're there, I'm sitting across from the student pastor. And he leans over and says, man, I cannot believe I'm hanging out with you right now. I said, really? Why not? He said, well, I know our church is big. He said, I've just never had time to hang out with the senior pastor like this for lunch and just hanging out. Now, this is no indictment to anybody in the past. And, and your church pastor may never hang out with you. But here's what I realized. In order for your people to have, think about this, weigh in, they need to have buy-in. Okay. Before your people will adopt the new culture, before your people will adopt the new strategy, before your people will adopt the disciple making pathway, which drives everything we do in our church, you have to have buy in in order to have weigh in. I'm sorry, you have to have weigh in. I'm saying it back. You have to have weigh in before you have buy in. Okay. What I mean is this they have to be able to speak into that. You have great ideas, but if your people don't speak into the ideas and if the people on your team don't have input, they're going to say, well, that's your idea, not mine. But when you allow them to weigh in and give critique and feedback, Mm -hmm. they're going to not only buy in, but they're going to promote that to others. Well, and I once served with a leader who I love this leader, respect him, um, and uh, he's, he's retired now. But he used to, as a pastor, he would say, I've actually heard him say to an individual, I don't want anything from you but numbers. What gets you less buy-in than saying, hey, I don't want your input, I don't want your leadership, I don't want anything you got but production of numbers? I mean, that just tells you. And with all due respect, Pastor, you can get Excel spreadsheet to do that on a computer. You don't need a person for that. I mean, let's be honest. You are hiring. Listen, this is what you got to understand. People work is, is more important in the ministry than paperwork. And people need to learn. Some of you need to listen to this because this is important. People work. And so what I mean is there are days when you're going to be doing paperwork that needs to be done. But when people interrupt you, that's the most important thing because God uses those divine interruptions for for his glory. So I would just say don't get so consumed with paperwork that you miss the people. Here's the third thing you're going to do. When you invest in your people and you allow them to weigh in and then they start to buy in, here's what happens. The greatest positions – that are going to be filled but for your church because new positions will open. Uh, some people may leave. Some people may go. But, but, but here's the reality at Long Hollow. Very few people have left since we've gotten here. And it's not based on me and, you know, man, they love being here because of me or the staff. I think what's happened is we've created such a, an amazing, exciting, life-giving culture where they feel valued and they've given input that why would they leave? 
Like I want to create a culture in my church that is so exciting to be around that no amount of money in the world could draw them away. Well, we've even have a few people who have left and then come back. In fact, we've and, had and, three, and, three in one year leave and yeah. come back, and then we call. And them. I honestly, I honestly believe I haven't had a conversation with any of these people, by the way, specifically. But I honestly believe they get to a new place, and I don't know if they thought grass was greener. I don't think that's the case. I just think they are like, man, I understand now and value the culture that we had created. And I want to be a part of that. Yeah. And uh, and then secondly, man, what a great opportunity to be at a place where we say, yeah, come on back. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, that's right. That's unusual for a church as well. So. Well, here's another thing, too. And this is very different. And, and again, I didn't learn. I wasn't raised in church, so I don't know the protocol in this. But here's the reality. If you are truly serving with your friends, in seminary years ago, they used to tell you as a pastor, don't be friends with your staff. They'll stab you in the back. It's like the people you're going to work with the people you're going to see more than you see in a sense your spouse and your kids at time don't trust those people don't be friends with them don't hang out with them okay like jesus you can't trust any of these boys here i mean they're all going to turn on you well he knew that and he still trusted them and he still invited them back and he still empowered them okay so if we're taking a page from the book of jesus so here's the thing these guys on my team are some of my closest friends okay i I do ministry with these guys i mean you obviously we're on staff together uh, we're, we're friends outside of staff. And, and here's the thing. One of the things we realize is this. When you create an environment, you're going to love this, of discipleship, where discipleship is in every area of your ministry. It's not just a discipleship group. That's a part of it. That's one piece of many. I'm talking about a discipleship culture whereby you're investing, equipping, empowering, raising up. Here's what happens. You begin to hire people from within. Watch this. Once you create a culture, Here's the, here's the thing. If you want to change and risk changing the culture, then go hire someone from the outside. And some churches that are listening, some staff members, you're thinking, I know that because I'm at a church where we're constantly using certain job sites and certain organizations that do the research and bring in like a revolving door, a new guy from this church. And so what happens is every new staff member you bring in, they bring in with them their culture. They defer to what they know, which is their culture. Here's the thing. If you hire from the outside, you risk changing the culture. If you raise up from the inside, you preserve the culture. And that's what we're seeing at Long Hollow. Most of the positions, even at Brainerd, most of the positions that we filled, I think we filled uh, over the course of seven years, I think we filled 18 positions at Brainerd. I would say most 90% inside. Long hollow, same thing. We raise up from the inside. And see, you can only do that when you have a healthy staff and a compelling team that has bought into the vision and, remember this, you've spent time with them. That's a good word. As we wrap up, let me remind you that we are members of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. Have you listened to the Ask Me Anything podcast with J.D. Greer and Todd Unzicker lately? As a part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network family, they've recently covered topics like J.D.'s biggest preaching influence or how Christians should engage with social media or if church membership is in the Bible. Interesting questions. Just asking those right now. I need to go listen as if I haven't already. Check out the Ask Me Anything podcast next time you get a chance. They are available everywhere podcasting apps are available.
Thank you for joining us for this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty. If you don't mind, take a moment to subscribe and share the podcast. You can find out more about disciple making, resources related to disciple making, and our customized training on our website at replicate.org.